I was uh, listening to the radio in the car the other day, and a national call-in program had two hours dedicated to the book of Revelation. And the question asked by the host was, do you believe that this is the end? Do you believe that God is judging the nations for their sins? Now, this was a secular host. It wasn't a Christian program. And most of the callers that called in, and I was amazed, most of them said, this is God. This is divine intervention. And uh, even the seconders that were calling in said, this is beyond comprehension. Uh, There's something happening. Is God speaking? Is God judging the nations? Now, as a believer, what do you think about all of this? As a believer, what comes to your mind? Is this what Jesus said would happen, that men's hearts would begin to fail them for fear of watching those things coming on the earth? Has that come to your mind? If we believe the Bible is God's eternal word, then this is what you have to believe. I'm quoting to you now from Second Peter 2, 4 to 6. If God saved not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and spared not the old world, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Who brought in the flood? God brought in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, condemning them with an overthrow, making them examples unto those, unto those that after should live ungodly. God sent fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed the city. He brought in the flood that destroyed a wicked, vile uh, society during Noah's time. There have been prophetic warnings. Is there something happening? Is there something supernatural? This, this has never happened. Though there have been floods and earthquakes and famines and pestilence and plagues all through history. Because, you see, all those things happen, but they've not happened in the, the intensity and the rapidity of what we're seeing in the nations of the world today. The world is not listening to the prophetic voices. In spite of all the warnings, in spite of all the pleadings and watchmen and prophets, in the book of Revelation you find an, uh, natural disasters and so devastating, the Bible said men will seek for death and they won't find it and shall desire to die, and death shall flee them. And you go to the book of Revelation, the 14th chapter, and you see God, it says God was pouring out the wine of His wrath upon the nations. And in, four, in the preceding chapters, in the few chapters following, chapter 14, in the book of Revelation, you find ecological disasters, you find scorching heat, you find pandemic diseases, and all of this after God sent voices and trumpets. After Jesus himself appeared to the churches to warn. You, you find that in Revelation 9 chapter, those that were not killed by the plagues repented not. That they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver. Neither repented they of their murders or sorceries or of their fornications or their thefts. In Revelation 16 and men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give Him glory. They gnawed their tongues for pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven. 
because of their pain and their sores and repented not of their deeds. You see calamities on all sides and rather than see God or, or, or even turn to God and repent while there was time and while they still had an invitation, they shook their fist at God, chewed their tongues of pain. Amazing. Incredible. If the secular world and the ungodly world is not moved by these prophecies and by these warnings, then why warn? Why warn people if they're, they're just going to end up shaking their fist at God? Well, the scripture answers that. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. God warns. That is the justice of God. That is the mercy of God. But here's my message. Judgment cannot be the only message of the church of Jesus Christ in the last days. It cannot be judgment alone. God must judge the wicked. We, we have got to believe what God said. We have to sit back. And you know, you, we, we, we quote that scripture. We see all these things happen. Look up and rejoice. But we dare not do that before the sinner. Who says, well, you're just rejoicing because so many people are dying. And you're able to say, well, I told you so. We are to rejoice in our assemblies, in our hearts. Not because of these calamities, but only because there are signs that the Lord has given to us. And we rejoice. We, we were rejoicing before any of these calamities came. We were rejoicing in the good times. We rejoice at all times. But the Lord wants us to prepare our hearts to face these days with a spirit of rejoicing and knowing that there is a redemption that's drawing nigh. But what is the message of the church of Jesus Christ in times of calamity such as this? If, if all we can say to the world is that the end has come, judgment is here. This is God judging the world of sin for sin. If that's the only message we have, we take away the hope of the sinner. We take away his hope because he's going to come back to us. The sinner will come back and say, all right, if this is the end of the world, if time is, is over, if God's judging, then let's go out stoned. Let's all get drunk. Let's all get high. Because there's no hope. We're all going to die. We're all going to hell. And then we take away the hope. Now, when I say the church has got to preach hope and, and expectations of mercy and grace, I'm not talking about just preaching heaven. Usually we, we, we come to the sinner and we say, well, well, look, yes, judgment is here, but there's a heaven coming. If you'll just repent, you, you, you can get out of this mess. You don't have to go through this. You don't have to suffer. And... And you see, the hope of heaven is a, for the Christian, it's for the believer. It's not the hope of the sinner. The hope of the believer is the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, folks, I believe in heaven. I preach heaven. I, I'm exhilarated at the thought of being in paradise with Christ for eternity. But you see, the, the, the world is not thinking that. They're not saying, uh, you come to them and say, well, Think of eternity. Think of heaven. They'll say to you, look, I'm trying to get through the day. I'm just trying to make it through tomorrow. I'm not thinking of eternity. 
And the first thing they're going to tell you when you say heaven, they say, look, you talk about God, you talk about Jesus. I've prayed and there are no answers. And I lost faith. And they're not thinking about heaven. You see, if, if that is all we preach, someday, somewhere, you're going to have relief. No, you see, the world is nervous. The world is out of its mind. The world is perplexed. The world is full of fear. And they're not going to take a message about heaven. They're taking pills and alcohol trying to get through another day. That's the hope of the church, yes. But out there, here in the city and around the world, that is not the hope. How do I preach hope then? To this lost world. All I can tell you is what God's speaking to me. And how God is showing me how to bring hope to the hopeless in a time of calamity. The truth is, people have lost hope because they've lost their faith. And let me tell you how they lost it. They were looking for hope and so they went to the only place that they thought they could find it. In the house of God. They came to the church of Jesus Christ looking for faith. Looking for something that they could lay hold of. Because you see, people have given up on faith. There's shipwrecked faith all over the world now. And, and people have lost that faith. They, they, they have prayed prayers. They want God to be a fixed God. And because God didn't fix it for them, they weren't seeking God for who God was. They just wanted to get it fixed up. And God said that's not enough. And so, and so they've given up. They've given up their faith. And so they look at the church, they look for somebody that they could look to who in their trials and in their hardship and when all is sinking and everything is shaking, that they have a solid, anchored faith. And they come to the church of Jesus Christ and they see shipwrecks so often. They see Christians who have a reputation for being men and women of faith, who preach faith, who talk faith, who are caving in and giving up in their crisis time. We've had so many sermons on faith. We've had so many books in, in a nervous society. Multiplied millions worldwide are worried about a shaking that's going on. And where are they going to find the faith? Where will they find this faith? The Holy Spirit spoke to me that I had to anchor my faith. Be sure your faith is not a wavering faith. And when the Holy Spirit began to deal with me that the only thing that would touch people would be beacons of faith those who had set their hearts and their minds and in, in psalm it says they set talking about israel they set not their minds on god they set not their faith on the lord they trusted not in him they didn't set their faith they didn't anchor it they didn't deal with the need to have an anchored set faith that could not be shaken the scripture says, if any man wavers in his faith, let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. And in that verse, he places the responsibility squarely on our shoulders. Yes, the Holy Spirit will help. The Holy Spirit will anoint. The Holy Spirit will see God. The Holy Spirit will not do it without you. He will not do it without me. He said, you set your faith. You anchor your faith. If any man waver... Let him not think he received anything of the Lord. It's a strong statement. But God is saying something to us. I must have faith in these days when everything is shaking. Something has to be solid. Something has to be unshakable. What else can it be but our faith, folks? 
What else can it be? When you determine to take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And walk away and believe God for rest. And when you say, God, I can't handle this. But I'm going to commit it to you. I'm going to lay it down at your feet. I, I lay all my burdens on you and you walk away from that. And you say, Lord, I'm going to believe you. And you set your mind and you set your heart. Oh, you'll be tested. It's going to be one of the most difficult things you've ever done in your life, perhaps. But the Holy Spirit sees this desire, this, this hunger in your heart. I, I want to be, I want to offer hope to my family and those in my circle of influence. Those who know me. I want to be a beacon of hope. And a solid faith is the only hope they're going to have. They have to not have a sermon. They have to have a man. They have to have a woman. They have to have an illustrated sermon. They have to see it. They have to be able to touch it. It can't be a fantasy. It has to be something that is solid. Here are Christians going through the same battles, going through the time of calamity, and they're not shaken by it. There's something about their countenance. They can even face death knowing that God has everything under control. It doesn't mean that there isn't times of panic. The Bible says in Psalm 78, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Ephraim was the largest tribe of Israel, a numerous tribe. It was the best armed. It was the most beloved of the Lord, the most blessed tribe of Israel. And they were armed. They were prepared. And they went out to battle. And they had good resolve. No other tribe had been so blessed. They had the knowledge of God. But in the battle, the scripture says, they went out armed with bows. And in the battle, they turned back. And that's what happens to Christians. Armed. Trained. Practiced. Blessed. Honored. Full of the Holy Ghost. And then we go out to the battle and we say we're going to win the victory. We boast about it that then when the crisis comes and it gets hot, we turn back to our unbelief. And do you see what happens? The rest of Israel, all the other tribes say, wait a minute. If a tribe so armed, if a tribe so trained and so blessed can make it, what hope do we have? And this is what the world says. If the Christian who talks about being anointed of God and full of the Holy Spirit and full of the Word of God and have all the promises of God, if they can't make it, what chance do I have? And so we further rob them of faith, of hope. In Hebrews 11, we read this. By their faith, the elders obtained a good report. And the word obtained there in Greek is... They began to bear witness. They became a testimony. By their faith, they became a testimony. They became a beacon of hope. Because of their faith, they obtained. They became this testimony. First of all, they obtained a testimony of their own heart. Because whenever you set your heart on faith and say, I'm going to anchor my faith, then I'm going to believe the Holy Ghost to, to help me achieve this desire of my heart. He said, ask what you will and you, it, it shall be given unto you. And this is what I will. This is what I want. And I believe God's word that he can assist me in this unwavering faith. 
And when you do that, the Holy Spirit always affirms it. He always lets you know that all is well with the Father because God said that's the only way you can please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when you faith becomes steadfast and when you, you say, I don't care what I'm going through. Oh, we're in the flesh. Yes, we're going to have those moments and we're going to feel like, no, there's no hope. But, but, <clears throat> but saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I'm going to hold my position. That's what the Holy Spirit said. Take a position. Take a place. Take roots. Put foundations down now. Put pillars under it. It's really what it says in the Greek. Put pillars under it. And build on that. Let every crisis be another building block until you build this temple unto God. First, there's an affirmation of the Holy Spirit that all is well. And oh, I can't think of any greater thought than to stand before Jesus one day. And he is smiling at me and saying, well done. Well done. Yes, you believed. You trusted me. You were the hope. I've got a final word. A word for those who want this unwavering faith and you want to seek it. The Bible said you have need of patience. You have need of patience. Let me read what the scripture says for you. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of the Father that you might receive the promise. I've always said, you've heard me say from this pulpit, the hardest part of faith is the last half hour. Have you ever done that where you caved in? You begin to waver. You begin to doubt. Especially if you're a parent, you've got children. And you've heard my son Gary preach from this pulpit. He's one of my best friends. And yet I remember the time when he was a teenager coming home and throwing his Bible against the wall and saying, I don't believe in God. God doesn't answer prayer. And my heart sank. I said, oh, no. My own son. God said, do you believe me? Do you trust me that I'm going to answer your prayer? You bathe him in prayer and you just rest. There was a year of testing. And there will be a time of testing. But we, I, I trusted God. And God brought it through. Some of you here now, a loved one, is, <clears throat> maybe has lost faith. Someone around you just grieving your heart. You have need of patience. After you've set your mind and heart to believe, now be patient until you receive the promise. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. So let patience do its perfect work in you. Let patience settle you and bring rest to your heart. God's teaching you to wait patiently on Him. And the last word is, don't give God any deadlines. Don't give God deadlines. You trust Him in His time and His way. I don't have this all figured out. And please don't think that, that I have arrived and that I have this perfect, unwavering faith. Because the very thing I'm talking to you about, I have been sorely tested on even yesterday. And yet, I stand here today saying, God, I believe. And I will trust you. How else can I show God's faithfulness? I can't show it through my preaching. I have to show it through my living. I have to show it through something I have experienced and gone through. It has to do with the way I live, the way
way I believe. This is the best time in history to ever reach a lost world. Never have doors been so open because hearts have been so stirred. Lord, you're doing something supernatural. Let us see it and bring hope to us. Lord, I am full of hope. I am full of your and of anticipation of what you're going to do through this body and through other Christians around the world in the days ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus said? When I return, will I find faith on the earth? That suggests to me that most of the world is going to be in unbelief. But God has a people. And I want to tell you something. I was reading Isaiah yesterday where it's very clear from the prophet Isaiah that even after calamities, first of all, he works with goodness. The goodness of God leads to repentance. And then he allows or even brings, according to his mind and will, these great times of testing and then we see calamities. But then after that, when the Bible said God's heart melts in the time of calamities, and then he comes finally before the last day with another wave of goodness. And that's where we're at now, with goodness. And the Lord, not wanting to judge you, he's not wanting to condemn you. He wants to lift your spirit this morning. He wants to fill you with hope. And he wants to renew your faith. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, Ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come the Almighty. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus.